This is the Business Cast, the podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and companies with velocity, and powered by the DMZ, North America's top tech incubator. Here's your host, Canada's leading business podcaster, chartered accountant, and CPA, Robert Gold. Once again, from high atop the Business Cast Podcast Center in Toronto, live and in the morning, we're way off to the west. I can see False Bay, British Columbia. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. This podcast is powered by the DMZ. That's dmz.ryerson.ca. Today, this is going to be amazing. Mina Mitri is with us. Mina is the co-founder and CEO of Kepler Communications. It says on their website, they're building cell phone towers in space. Mina, welcome to the business cast powered by the DMZ. Thanks so much for having me. You know, this is fantastic. I'm going to read one line from your website. Kepler Communications is a satellite communications company that is working towards establishing an in-space telecommunications network for space-borne assets. To me, being a science fiction freak, that's unbelievable. But let's step back a bit. Tell us about yourself and how you came to found Kepler Communications. For sure. So I was doing my PhD in aerospace engineering, and before that I had started a not-for-profit within the university where we were designing drones, rockets, and spacecraft for national and international competition. And it's really there where I had this huge passion for aerospace that I kind of wanted to furnish a little bit better and see growth within the Canadian sector. Our aerospace industry has largely been stagnant and owned by large commercial players. When I met my co-founders in this undergraduate design exercise, we decided we were going to pursue this. We were off to the races. We left our PhDs, our full-time jobs, that wanted to bring this to life, really with a greater vision of building a space-faring economy. Tell us in simple terms, because everyone across the country listening to this does not understand the science, of course, what is this all about? The simplest way I can explain it is we're building cell phone towers in space, similar to the way people laid down cell phone tower networks on the ground that powered our digital ecosystem. We're putting up cell phone towers in space to power the astronauts and people there to connect and be able to communicate. That's the long-term vision of the company. What we're doing near-term is repurposing that same infrastructure for connecting IoT devices across the world. So think of remote pipelines, agricultural fields, weather sensors, seismic monitors, everything across the board that needs to get data back for driving business intelligence. So the technology behind what you're doing is quite amazing. Is it all yours? Did you source some elsewhere? Has it evolved? Where did it all come from? comes from a variety of different resources. So part of it is borrowed from the trend in the industry where we're seeing standardization and miniaturization of satellites. Today you have the Amazon for satellite parts. You have the equivalent of Uber for space travel where people are sharing the cost of a rocket to send up there. And that's the one half we borrowed from the industry. The other half, which is what we brought into the industry, are things built in my co-founder's PhD thesis centered around software-defined radios and software-defined networking to allow us to use really, really tiny satellites, roughly the size of a loaf of bread for communications, where traditionally this is done with something the size of your average living room. Now, how are you getting these satellites into space? So as I mentioned earlier, we're really focused on using things like Uber for space travel. You have these massive companies that are deploying 1,000-kilogram class satellites. They have excess capacity on the rocket that's taking their satellite up. So what we do is we will borrow or we'll buy about 5 kilograms of capacity to launch our satellites to the same position that they're launching their satellite. It just absolutely amazes me. I'd like to speak for an hour about the science, but let's hone back in. Given the global significance of Kepler, there has to be international competitors chasing you or whom you are chasing. Tell us about the international space industry. 
So by nature of our company, we are truly global. And what that means, it incites a lot of competition from Europe, from the U.S. And so we have to operate like a global business from our onset. A lot of our competitors, when we looked at their scope, are typically using very traditional satellites. So these are satellites that you build for five years, you operate for 15 years. And by the time they reach their end of life, you're using 20-year-old technology. I want you to imagine for a second what your cell phone looked like 20 years ago. And that is the state of the art in the satellite communications industry industry. What makes us fundamentally unique is our really small spacecraft that allows us to replace them every three years. So we're bringing Moore's Law to space. I want to talk about the challenges about raising capital, seed capital in a space-based communications company. It has to be difficult because there's doubters everywhere and Canadians are really risk-averse investors. Can we talk about raising capital? In every business, raising capital is a huge challenge really trying to narrow down how do you tell your story, how do you tell it in a way such that it resonates with your investor group, and how do you even find that investor group that's willing to back you, and especially more so unique in our situation where it's very niche, because it involves a lot of investor education. A lot of investors are used to investing in B2B SaaS companies. They understand what those companies do. They understand how they operate and the timescales in which it takes to get them to be a success. But for us, going into this uncharted territory, we had to spend a lot of time doing investor education. That was by far probably the biggest challenge in raising capital. But once investors were able to grok at the value and the things that Kepler could deliver with this infrastructure, it made it a very simple decision to get to a yes. So most startups start with family and friends. Were you able to start Kepler and its space-based vision with family and friends financing? We actually started Kepler on even smaller financing. Think of OCE-type government grants. These are $25,000 in nature that allowed us to start working very effectively on the business. It doesn't take a whole lot. Really, your biggest fund cost when you're starting out is actual execution because you're typically not paying for salaries at the early days. Now, I'm presuming that you moved up the chain rather rapidly, given that you're working with fast-moving technology to get into the arms of more, I don't want to say more legitimate financiers, but that's what I mean. People that are more in the mainstream of funding science businesses. Is that, in fact, what happened? Are you now with more sophisticated institutional investors? Yeah, let me give you a little bit of background on the Kepler story. So we started the business in June of 2015. We were in a few different incubators, accelerators all across the Toronto community that included Startup Utahs, Hatchery, Digital Media Zone, the Creative Destruction Lab, pretty much everyone you can think of. And we did that in about the span of six months. Eight months into the business, we raised the five and a half million U.S. venture capital round led by IA Ventures out of New York. And that's what took us really to the degree and level of sophistication that we're talking about with venture capital investors that understood the space. Now, it's interesting that you ended up with a firm out of New York. And my experience has always been that Canadian investors, if they're looking at an entrepreneur who has started and failed, they kind of shy away. But in the U.S., they seem to tend to embrace failure because it means you've tried, you're going to try again, you'll keep trying till you succeed. Do you have a thought on Canadian versus U.S. financing? I'll say we're seeing a change in the Canadian economy where investors are starting to think that they have to compete globally for the same set of companies. And it's starting to change the way in which they invest. It's changing the way in which they interact with companies. And it's happening here in Canada. So for us, we were pretty deliberate. We raised half of our money roughly from the U.S. and half of our money from Canada. You know, having gone through that process, I can safely say we're pretty comfortable around the Canadian economy starting to be built up for startups today. Now, when will you be looking for your next round? We're pretty well financed until the third quarter of 2018. And the next round of financing for us, a sizable amount to allow us to launch a constellation of 50 satellites by the end of 2019. And what's the payback for your investors? 
our investors right now, we really see Kepler as a large and global business that has the potential to be out on the public market and has the potential to reach that kind of scale for our investors. So we see a liquidity event, i.e. going public, sale to a larger company. Like, What do you see as the practical exit? I think the one down or our vision pipeline is going public. Can't wait to see that. Okay, let's talk about partnerships and other relationships. Did you form any in order to grow Kepler quickly and successfully? Something super unique in the space industry is the need for partnerships, because when you think about how the space industry is distributed, it's largely held by government budgets and several billion dollar organizations. A lot of the startups in the ecosystem needs to band together to have a shot at surviving. We form partnerships with people that are helping us get our satellites up there. Innovative solutions in space that's helping us to launch our satellites. We form partnerships with players that are helping us to deploy some of our antennas and ground equipment that we need to communicate with our spacecraft. And we obviously form partnerships with our early adopters and our customers that are adopting our product, being the first users of our product. When you talk about partnerships, it's usually a give and take. So when you're partnering with these very, very large organizations, it's certainly obvious to us what you get out of the relationship. What does a billion-dollar company get out of the relationship with you? A lot of these large companies, they get access to technology and capabilities that they otherwise could not develop. When you think of the operation of a large-scale satellite manufacturer, typically they're spending hundreds of millions, if not billions, on that operation to build. And when you think of the scale of Kepler, having only raised $5.5 million We've got a satellite scheduled for launch at the end of this year, and a second one, brand new iteration, scheduled for launch in the middle of next year. And that's something that no large company can do today. You certainly are fleet of foot. Okay, let's talk about advice. Let's put you on the soapbox. We've got a national audience of entrepreneurs and risk takers, a lot of them in accelerating startups, some of them in more established businesses. Is there advice that you would give to an entrepreneur who is obviously a risk taker like you about launching a business in an extreme niche with potential hurdles, both scientific and financial? Absolutely. I think my biggest takeaway from this experience is making sure you build the right team. And I think that's the only advice if I want people to prioritize their time and want them to spend everything thinking about the type of team that they're building, because it's that fundamental team that's going to take you through the patent filings, that team that's going to take you through the regulatory hurdles. And it's that team that's going to advance the state of technology. So your three pieces of advice are team, team, team. Perfect. Okay, let me ask you this. What would you do differently if you were starting all over again? Let's go back to the early days of Kepler. How would you make this a more efficient, more successful run for yourself? I think there's two things I would have focused on. One of them is pretty specific to our niche, and that's centered around spending more time in the regulations to really understand that process. I think it could have saved us a lot of time now today. But the second one is more general, and that's a thought to be more ambitious. As Canadians, we tend to pigeonhole ourselves and be a lot more conservative, spend a lot of time traveling between here and the Bay Area, and you recognize that day in and day out. Every one of those companies that comes out of the Bay Area has this insatiable ambition. They want to achieve so much more. They want to push themselves, and that's just not something we're seeing as Canadian companies. What I like to bring back and what I try to do actively within my team is reach for our higher bar. I think that would have been super impactful at the early days when we had some of our incubators and accelerators advising us to take a more conservative path or try something a little bit easier at first, when in reality, I think it would have been so much more helpful to have been pushed as an entrepreneur to reach for things that were beyond my current capabilities. All right. Now, Mr. Science Fiction, I'm a real fan of what you're doing. It's now 2023. What's Kepler doing? At that point in time, we'll have a full constellation of about 50 to 140 spacecraft in operation, and we'll be starting to operate our service for base assets, 
for people that are doing human space travel, for private astronauts that want to get up there and really delivering on our vision of enabling a space economy by building the communications infrastructure around it. Unbelievable. Mina Mitri, co-founder, CEO, Kepler Communications, keplercommunications.com. Mina, thank you so much for being a guest on the business cast. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And until next time, I'm Robert Gold, managing partner of Bennett Gold LLP, chartered accountants and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to see how we reach for a higher bar, check us out at bennettgold.ca. See you next time in the morning, everyone, and good night, False Bay, British Columbia. You've been listening to the Business Cast, powered by the DMZ, and brought to you by Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accountants, and CPAs. Incubating, accelerating, succeeding. You need Bennett Gold. Check them out at bennettgold.ca.